0: Radio TRO is in search of sponsors. Sponsors get a detailed product mention at the beginning of every episode in our catalog. You can submit your own advertisement or we can read one for you. Visit email.tro.bike and contact us directly to learn more.
1: Hey folks, Maggie Dean here, just reaching out to tell you about a couple of great tours we have coming up. One is for the newbies and the other for the seasoned Curve Carvers. If you're new to motorcycle touring, check out the LMCT, Lake Michigan Circle Tour, which takes place from Sunday, July 14th to Saturday, July 20th. It's a beginner-friendly, scenic bike tour around Lake Michigan with all the planning and organizing done for you. It's ideal for couples, three-wheel riders, and small groups. It offers a balanced mix of fun curves, beautiful scenery, and rest stops. If you've always wanted to go on a small group motorcycle tour but have yet to do so, this tour is for you. And for all you rabid, twisty travelers, check out T.R.O.'s Wisco Disco Tour. Based in Wisconsin, this tour is perfect for experienced riders visiting as much of the Driftless area as possible over three days. Our well-vetted routes are pre-planned, so just take the time off and join us. It's a great opportunity to ride in an intimate setting away from the solo digital world. T.R.O.'s Wisco Disco Tour launches Wednesday, August 7th, and concludes Sunday, August 11th. Again, that's two tours approaching. Visit TRO.byte, mouse over events, and select group tours to learn more.
2: Hello, everybody.
0: I'm Travis Burleson. I'm Tim Clark. And I'm Robin Dean. And this is the Riding Obsession Podcast. <laughs>
2: we'll be talking about taking rider training courses in the state of Illinois, as well as a model focus on the Harley Street Rod. For the kit segment, we're gonna look at a frozen snot ride, as well as some dry pack and compression stuff sack. We're gonna cover some protective modifications you can make if you're a BMW owner, and take a quick look at this month in motorcycle history.
0: Before we get started here, <clears throat> we should probably recap from the previous episode, newly learned information. Apparently, you do not, we brought this up uh, when we saw the MSF booth at the uh, IMS here in Chicago, Illinois, the International Motorcycle Show. You do not have to be an Illinois resident to take the free motorcycle training course here in Illinois. You simply have to be able to receive mail somewhere in Illinois. Whether that's a P.O. box or a fixed address may or may not matter. Credit goes to fellow writer coach Don Beeren for that information, who would subsequently credit someone else whose name I've forgotten. So there you go.
2: Does that need to be on an identification at some point, or you just need to give them an address? That
0: all you have to have is an address, from what mm-hmm. I understand. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's changed either. Uh, the the people who are saying
2: that are pretty confident in the information. Somewhere they send you like a okay. certificate or whatever, or they just they need us to put it on their forms to say like this person at this address. <laughs> Signed up for mm-hmm. the class
0: today. Yeah, and then they just uh, translated over to the next state after that. Um, but now, okay, so let's get personal here. N- recent happenings and feature segments. We've, we're changing up the order of things here, so we're experimenting, folks. Please bear with us and enjoy the show. Travis, how was your month going? And what year, make, model are we focused on today?
2: Um, It's going good. Uh, Weather is getting a little bit warmer. Um, I did. Um, we had a good garage night there. Uh, was that last week? A week before? Last week? Yeah, it was last week. That was fun. Um, people mm-hmm. burned a nice hole in my little work mat. Uh, <laughs> doing, uh, revving out the moped on the center stand. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the moped was leaking transmission oil from um, like the clutch cover. So I put a new gasket on there and, and I, I replaced the... Actually, they weren't even Phillips head. They were Stuart and Prince head screws. What is that? Uh, you know when you get your set of driver bits with your... Whatever multi bit screwdriver. And there's Phillips bits that have like little extra indents in the corners. Yeah. Those are Stuart and Prince. And there actually are screw heads that have the little extra cutout in between each of the four that accept that.
0: So it's almost like JIS before JIS was JIS.
2: It's kind of like a, it's like Torx before Torx. Yeah. So it was actually, they were Stuart and Prince, the, the screws that hold that clutch cover on but I went down to my local Fastenal and got a uh, equivalent with a um, uh, hex drive with like a Allen head drive so I can actually torque them <laughs> and make sure they're and not have to somehow rig up a Phillips head on a torque wrench um, to get the, the, the very massive six foot pounds that those screws take <laughs> um, Do you have an inch pound driver? I do yeah so whatever 72 inch pounds um, but, uh, but I don't have, I couldn't find my quarter cause the inch pound is a quarter inch drive and the four millimeter socket I have is a three eighths drive and I couldn't find my quarter inch to three eighths step. So I just, I set my three eighths drive on six foot pounds, which is like one foot pound up from its lowest setting and <laughs> made sure <laughs> not to mess it up. Um, <laughs> oh, funny. what's this thing go
0: up to? 400 foot pounds of torque. All right. Big old like eight foot long elbow bar. Like,
2: like, wait for it. To, it doesn't <laughs> click, you know. It just kind of slightly, slightly bends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also started the uh, the application process to get a bonded title on the moped. Is so, that the Michigan thing. No. So my friend in Michigan couldn't get it. Couldn't get it registered. Okay. Because he went to a couple different DMVs in Michigan, and they're like, oh, there's a title on this in Wisconsin, you need the title. Even though Michigan doesn't issue titles for mopeds, the interstate Mm. DMV system knew that it should be titled in Wisconsin and have a paper title with it.
0: We've been working with border officials to make sure that this kind of thing doesn't happen again.
2: Yeah. So I just decided to bite the bullet and submit for a bonded title through. So I had to fill all the paperwork, plus your regular title application paperwork, plus an additional lost title paperwork take pictures of the VIN and pictures of the vehicle and send it into the state and then uh, eventually they might get back to me i don't know i haven't heard from them yet so um we put new handlebars on the nc 700x did that garage night
0: that was fun that was Mm -hmm. pretty good um that was a productive night yeah it's amazing what happens when robin robin doesn't drink any beer yeah when robin doesn't drink beer things get done
2: Um, So they're just a little, they're a little shorter than the stocks, but I kind of compensated for that with uh, an extra spacer in the riser, and then um, they're wider too, uh, which I kind of like. It seems to take the handguards a little better, Um, and I think I'm going to order some shorty levers to put on there so I can move the lever mounts and subsequently the mirrors a little further out as well and take advantage of that. I also put on uh, while we were doing that the the not just the handlebars the main thing was doing the new braided steel front brake line from Coromoto. Yeah, um,
0: Tim, remind me now wasn't that wasn't that goal number one that everybody was supposed to be showing up for? Yes,
3: I think it was.
2: Yeah, but the, yep. the handlebars took exponentially longer than the <laughs> braided brake line <laughs> they
3: did take a lot uh because didn't they require a alignment nub for the the hand controls yeah so the the honda you had just have the, little the pins on handlebars them. to get it
2: yeah
0: but
3: well, we drilled we drilled in didn't yeah we?
2: we drilled instead of chopping the the nubs off which i think is good because i've never had a honda one chop the nubs off and actually have it grip right so um but yeah, the brake lines feel great and it feels good. And the, more importantly, they're a couple inches longer to compensate for the wider bars and the risers on it. So, um, yes. And I put on a auxiliary light bracket that moved auxiliary lights off of the sides, the outside of the crash bar. So they're the first thing that hits the ground if you drop the bike up to the nose of the bike. So you, if you tip the bike over, you don't instantly smash the auxiliary lights.
0: Nice. And plus, don't they turn with your handlebars now? So when are they no, turn with the front light, they're,
2: they're mounted, they're mounted they're static. Yeah. With the, with the front okay. of the front in front of the fairing mm, yeah yeah okay. um, pluses and
0: minuses right
2: yeah well whatever i mean yeah there wouldn't be a good way because that bike has a standard fairing where there's like the frame comes out and everything in front of the handlebars is fixed the headlight and everything so yeah um and then i uh, just want to give a shout out for my tourmaster synergy two heated gear that i got last year at some clearance website and man it's, i've been riding here in forty degrees and it's it's been nice with the heated grips and the heated gloves and the heated vest um really makes a difference went out for a ride today it was in the 40s sunny kind of windy but fine mm-hmm. totally warm heated gear makes a difference and even then and it's funny like you would think 40 is going to be colder than it is and you can really just kind of bundle up for it so I, I bet with that if i if i really bundled i could probably ride deep into the 30s and be fine
0: mm. i guarantee you that's the case because i just did that so i took the hawk out today in uh you were talking about the tourmaster stuff yeah shout out to them and I know Tim and I, we have the Venture stuff because I convinced Tim to get it. But uh, And
3: I am enjoying <clears throat> that a lot. Right? I so really I do like that.
0: South on Sheridan and back. And by the time I got home, it was 32 degrees and the back of my neck was sweating. <laughs> I just cranked yeah. it up. It was like riding a motorcycle in a bathtub. It was just the best. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you know, I, I've i been comparing it to the feel of having the sun on you like through the winter winter on a cold spring day that's a good analogy it just feels like you got the sun on the back of your neck yeah it's kind of nice you just kind of like lean back into it and go oh yes
0: (laughs) 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 and with that Travis, what's this month's model focus? See, I tied those together; they blend perfectly. Yeah, it's like a
2: perfect. It's the same all just subject; it just melded. Um, so we talked about this a little bit with our review of the uh, Chicago uh, International Motorcycle Show: the Harley <laughs> Street Rod. I saw when this came out because, like, you know, we're not we're not Harley guys, we're not cruiser guys. Um, but I saw this, so like, the Street Series came out, and it was like basically the replacement for the old Buell. It was like Big, they're beginner bikes right they're smaller the 500s and a 750 um but they the the street 750 street are, are cruisers um but uh that's also the they're liquid cool that's actually the architecture for their their flat track racer is that engine um and so they came up with the street rod which was like this the 750 but with like kind of a cafe rear cowl on it and you know rear set my air quotes come through the radio rear set foot pegs and low bars <laughs> looked good like there the are pictures i saw of it early i got some, i got a link there to the the street rod site if you guys want to click on it looked good
0: they're rear set by harley standards which pretty much says to they're me kind that of, they're kind they're of slightly they're standard they're slightly more attentive than a barca lounger
2: yeah well it's it's um it's, it, it kind of is almost a standard riding position but here's here's the thing if you look if you look at, there's like a picture, and this is like on, on the Harley's website, the, the pictures from the gallery on their website. Um, one, if you look at the first picture, you'll see that there's a big rubber heel pad on the exhaust that's higher than the foot peg. And that's where, <laughs> like, that's where your heel, like when you get on that bike, that's where your heel goes. And it, it makes no sense. And it's and it's like they missed something in the prototype phase,
3: mm-hmm.
2: put one of these together, and then we're like, oh, my foot's hitting the exhaust. Let's just bolt a rubber pad onto the exhaust.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm looking at this picture of this rider, and they've got a, the foot peg right against the heel of the boot. So they're not riding the way like we'd normally, you know, I tend to ride on the ball of my foot. And that almost... Puts my heel into any exhaust system, especially like the new Hondas as well, but this yeah. would be just unreal, but if you look like he does have his his like heel hooked
2: into the foot peg, but if you look, it's actually hanging off the end of the footpeg because if he moved his uh, heel inboard, it would still be clipping that rubber pad. yep, then you can't actually a- operate the brake lever at all.
0: that is the big <laughs> problem. But yeah. I don't know how they're trying to really cover that up. The, the fact is that in a curve like that, whichever toe is closest to the ground will be pointed forward. If you were to shift your body weight, your outside toe would be pointed up. That's how that turn would be taken. So your heel would have to lift the entire foot off the peg and just balance it on the exhaust if yeah. you wanted to take it in track format.
2: Yeah, and that's, I mean, if you look, if you scroll through the, the again, the, this, this is the Gathering Harley's site. You scroll through to picture six of seven. Uh-huh. It's 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 like, they're like, look, look at this thing we fucked up. Like, I like I said, I sat on one at the bike show, and I was like, uh oh. And I mean, too, if you kind of look at the, the rider, the picture of the guy on the rider, you can see it's like the seat's too low, or the pegs are like, you're just in a weird, I mean, especially I think if you're over five foot five, it's just a weird... It's a weird riding position. And they this, want
0: you to be in duck walk. It's duck walk mode. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's the monkey fucker. <laughs> like you're you're hunched over with like your knees in your chest
0: and yeah. your explicit arms and your toes. We, we just got, we just activated the explicit content
3: label. So yeah, it's the, uh, the angle of the hip where your thigh mm-hmm. is almost flat. Or at least this guy's is. Mine would, my knees would be like above the tank. Mm-hmm. on this but you know that's the thing that i found on the even of the sportster that i rode was incredibly uncomfortable for me <laughs> of course like i, I totally can't hardly correctly apparently because i borrowed that sportster and by the end of the day i was riding with my feet on the passenger pegs and my and laying down over the gas tank <laughs> yeah <laughs> That was that's, the most comfortable position for me on that bike well they
2: do have a harley that they do have a sports there that's like cafe out like that um there's also the new 1200 iron which you can option up like that but it ends up being like oh. 12 grand and it's like oh, I'm 12 grand for a Sportster. um but the thing that bugs me the most and this is the next picture i have here is the XR1200 and the XR1200X that came out in the mid-2000s. Yes. Mm -hmm. Look at that. How much better is, like, they were trying to do that and they fucked it up.
0: That's proper ergos right there. Mm -hmm. What I'm looking at in this photo that you've pasted into the the Yeah, that's an XR1200X.
2: It looks like the exhaust is well behind the foot peg. Uh, the, 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 The foot pegs are further back so that they're under your hip. Yep, under your center of gravity. yeah and it's just it's just that's a that's a standard motorcycle riding position and why they couldn't achieve that on the 750 i I have no idea
3: yeah well i know that part of the goal for the 750 and the street 500 was to have an all-world motorcycle one that Mm -hmm. they can sell in india and try and be competitive with the smaller bikes there and the lower priced bikes yeah so, so and and I, and As I, well as the replacing the the training fleet that yeah. used to be the Buell Blast.
0: Bottom line, guys, what I see here is a bike where it looks like the person who designed it uh, was, I'm talking about the, the street rod. It seems like they were somebody who didn't want to design a standard bike, but was somehow forced to, as though they were told that that's what they were being tasked with, and they went through the motions of doing what they thought they were supposed to, and through and through, From beginning to end, they said, this doesn't, I don't like this kind of thing, so I'm going to try to, like, they would take breaks to try to make it into a cruiser mid-process. So you've got these weird ergos that are just sort of like, I like cruisers, but they told me to do this, and then you've got this bike that is just Awkward and and
2: I yeah. or it was just built by committee and someone was like, oh, this bike is gonna be sporty So we need to make sure the exhaust is high enough. It doesn't drag on the ground and then someone's like, yeah, well, we're gonna put these foot pegs here. Oh now the exhaust is in the way and now we're out of time <laughs>
3: It it's, could be that it could be that they just tri- they They drew a picture and said that's the bike we're gonna make mm-hmm. and they didn't realize until someone sat on it that it was all wrong Yeah, (laughs) right. What what it it makes me think of because I I was
2: riding my moped today, and so like you know how that when you look at the moped you're like wow those are really tall handlebars, and then when you sit on the moped you're like no they're not because this (laughs) thing's tiny, and then you see pictures of guys on the internet who took the mopeds and put like clip-ons on them and like when you, when you look at just the bike without a human interacting with it it's like yeah that looks kind of cool but then you remember like this thing's only three and a half feet long and a human has to sit on it and there's no <laughs> way that's going to work oh and
0: yeah unless like that's you were jockey sized
2: yeah right
0: <laughs> well you're talking about a vehicle that when you get off of it you pick it up and put it in your pocket yeah. and then walk into the bar
2: yeah <laughs> so <laughs> Um, so that's that that just that that caught my eye and it it came up to my mind the other day so I figured we'd talk about it looking good yeah Mm -hmm. so
3: Tim what have you been up to anything uh good in the gear department went on a group ride last weekend it was called the Madison Mule it was organized by my friend Patrick and it was one of those ones where it's like we're gonna go we're gonna meet here we're gonna ride for a little while and Warm up here and have lunch, and then we're going to ride for a while and warm up, and you know, try not to freeze. But it ended up being a pretty pleasant day, and we had, you know, sunny weather and fifty degrees, Uh, and it was nice. I got to chat with people I hadn't talked to before. Got to meet some new new people, and my friend Patrick is—he was riding a an XR six hundred and fifty,
2: I believe. Yeah, the Honda. Yeah, big the big Honda thumper. Yeah. Yep.
3: So he took us through some of the little, uh, some back roads routes through the middle of town. Some urban dirt. Some urban dirt. Yeah, we... How so many I sidewalks took did you pig jump? Pig how, many, how many curbs did you leave? Down on some muddy trails up by the train tracks.
2: With the dual sport tires, how did the TKC 70s do?
3: It felt okay. It felt a little squirrely, um, but this is also the first time I've been in mud and dirt since I broke the ankle. And not so, on proper knobbies. <laughs> yeah, not on proper knobbies on an, a bike I've never ridden in the dirt. So I was super nervous. I rode a little bit and then decided I'd take the the pavement for the rest of that. You've got to do something with your mic there, Robin. Oh, sorry. you're just making noises at us.
0: <laughs> sorry, there we go. I was <laughs> I was thinking to myself that... It, uh, I mean, when you when you took the hit to the leg, that you were on a smaller bike, that mm-hmm. you, know, you just borrowed, and it was like, okay, I'm putzing around, having some fun on it. And now it's like, you're riding on dirt, on Goliath. You were on the ultimate bike of, of your dreams. Yeah. And I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking, like, Tim's got to be, if he's doing that, he's got to be having a little bit of a
3: upgrade, you know? Oh, yeah. That thing is such a monster. I am really, really getting a kick out of it. But, yeah, that was a little spooky to... Like uh we were down by the Alliance Energy Center, sneaking past some barricades. This to do then, do
2: two hundred yards of dirt and mud. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, and the front tire skipped a little bit. And I had that little bit of pucker moment. Or like <laughs> 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 Okay, we're good. Hey Don't yeah. don't don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> no. But yeah. Okay, well geek out for us, man. What you got for us? What's the new kit going? All on. right, so this is also my part of uh you're looking outside of even the motorcycle community to see what what's available f- to get my my packing system down. And I went to an event at the Ener- Alliance Energy Center this last weekend as well. It was the Canoe Copia and the Bicorama, which is all pedal bikes. And the Canoe Copia is canoeing and kayaking, stand up paddling, things like that. And you've it's always good to look outside of just motorcycle industry because you're going to see st- other solutions, and especially the backpacking and camping stuff, I found sure. is really easy to adapt. And while I was there, I talked to the one of the ladies from Sea to Summit, and I've had one of their dry bags for years on the back of a dirt bike, just beating the hell out of it, and it's rock solid, durable, and reliable.
0: That's high quality. They, they all of their stuff is high quality. I think I have mm-hmm. a few different things for camping from them.
2: Yeah, which which yeah. you got here? That this day pack that looks like it's super thin, light. Strong material.
3: Yep. Yeah, it's the UltraSil. It's that super lightweight stuff that packs down incredibly small. Yeah, like it's you can
2: a, you can see through it, kind of.
3: Yeah, it's a twenty. That's a wet pack too. Twenty-two. Right? Dry bag. Yep, twenty-two liter roll top waterproof backpack, and it packs down to this tiny little package, six inches long, two and a half inch diameter, and it's ridiculous. And the it's, whole thing you weighs three point two ounces everywhere. <laughs> oh my God. yeah really so you can stash it in your tank bag you can stash it in your under your seat so like you stop by and you got to buy groceries or something like that you got somewhere to put that or you get rained on and you got some gear you throw it in it stays dry so i thought that was super cool but it was a little expensive and i did get a little bit of a show discount but still their list price is at 55 bucks, but man, it's super convenient.
2: Yeah, no, because I, I have like a roll-top dry backpack, but it's made out of the- um,
0: Made out of like a car's seat interior. Yeah, it's, it's,
2: it's made like out of like oh, the yes. mil-spec, it's made out of like the <laughs> mil-spec tarp, like the yeah, vinyl. It's like, yeah, like we it, had
3: these old wraps. And, it, and it,
2: that thing has to weigh like three pounds empty. Oh, yeah. sure. Or yeah. more, yeah.
3: Yeah, and my other, uh, I've got a Camelback that is a roll-top backpack as well as being a hydration pack. And that thing is almost always with me when I'm on a trip. I just love being able to, you know, sip on water. It keeps your fatigue down if you're going out all day.
0: Tim, does but, this require? Do you spray treat it? Do you have to use a like the waterproofing spray, or do you just let it be?
3: This thing is all seam sealed, ready to go. You don't have to do anything out of the box for it. I figure after a year or so of, of like a use, retreat, yeah, you might want. Well, to it might get it. pinholes
2: in it depending on how you're using it, but
3: yeah, and of course it's a, it's a very thin material. It's a little bit uh rip stop but you know you can abrade through it um but and then you know uh, sorry to interrupt but as a street rider you know i'm not
0: a dirt guy what i like about this is when we're doing like say the group tour i like the idea of having something like this or maybe even two or one per case where (laughs) i can pull everything out of the cases and just have a backpack full of everything that i was riding with and just go on in i like that
3: yes yes Yep. and then going on to the more you know going to the Camping stuff. The other thing I've been getting into is the the REI brand lightweight compression stuff sacks. These are yeah, they're not messing around. These are not waterproof, but they're pretty rugged and they're very cheap for what they are. I've had I've had the cheaper ones where like you get your sleeping bag in the ba- in there and you start cinching down the straps and they start ripping off. Of course. <laughs> and you're just like, what was the point of this thing? <laughs> but these are pretty pretty solid and. You know, I've got a 40 degree sleeping bag and uh, and actually my 15 degree sleeping bag fits in this 15 liter bag as well. And just happens that my new Moscow Moto panniers, they take two of these 15 liter bags per side and still have room to pack more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so you could, you could compress them down, put them in the base for
0: lower center of gravity-ish yep. and yeah. then stack stuff on top.
3: Yeah, so I've got my... One of them, I've got my my sleeping bag in. I've got another one that I can get my two-man tent. It's like a large two-man tent. And I can get those, if I take the poles and the stakes out, I can compress the thing down. So we're looking at, you know, a large watermelon kind of sized, just pretty tiny still considering all that gear, you know, so I can get that in two of those, those two things in one side and still have room to stash stuff on top. Tim Clark, writingobsession.com rescue rider. <laughs> yeah, I am going to be the pack mule on the on our trips. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's because I've, the the
2: other panniers for beer. Yes.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're so this riding season, anybody who's listening, we're gonna be doing uh <clears throat> we're gonna be doing some getaway podcasts that are based on us riding together. And what we're gonna do is Tim will carry the tent, the sleeping bags, the helmets, the uh <laughs> let's see, the, the recording equipment, the refrigerator, the Cadillac, the shipping yard.
3: Uh, we can editorial. probably stack the firewood on there too.
0: Yeah, we'll stack the fire. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> I'll be carrying marshmallows. That's, that's about
3: <laughs> it. We might be able to get graham crackers in there. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so I, I'm a big fan of these things. It's yeah, and I do have a dry bag version of those, the compression one, and that's the one that you know from sea to summit. That's I've been riding with for a long time. It's like a 40 liter compression dry bag. <laughs> that's a duffel. Oh yeah. And that was kind of the, what I used to do before. I would throw my sleeping bag, my you know, air mattress, my tent and some clothes all in that 40 liter compression bag and, and squish it all back down and it, it was easy to strap on the back of the bike
2: and throw it on the back seat and go.
3: Yep. it's good stuff. Yep. How about you, Robin? What are you up to this month and what new articles and What's being published on the site right now? Well, like I said, we're starting a new process. I'm I'm reforming the podcast. I'm
0: just experimenting, having a good time doing this. And so we're each getting to our personal notes and we're going through our segments, as they are called, in the Hollywood place of Hollywoodness. So I I got out for a couple lengthy rides on the new Beamer during a brief warm front, which was a lot of fun. That bike is, I'm already feeling a, a kinetic energy from it. I enjoy the bike a lot. I'm continuing to learn the manual. Uh, Pro tip, BMW's dynamic suspension isn't active dynamic. (laughs) Um, Turns out road mode is the way to go for cushy riding, as dynamic is more of a track feel. Uh, Then we installed a few protective mods. The bike now has crash bars, frame, and swing arm sliders, um, bolt covers, tank pads, mud guards for the front and rear, and a not-yet-arrived carbon fiber Fenda extender, because I always get those. These bikes are prone to lots of dirt. Instantly. I I rode the bike to Waterford, Wisconsin on a dry day. And when I got home, the bike was straight dirty. Just straight up dirty. Big shout out. MSF instructors, Don Birent and Catherine Hartley for helping me get through the process on installing all that stuff. Also, thank you, Travis, for locking horns with the Hawk GT steering head bearings. She feels good. Bike feels really good. Just got back today
2: yeah, that's good. I, I really like how Honda divoted out the head tube for knocking those races out. That makes it so much like I've spent like weeks struggling with bearing races before and they have that little notch in them so you can get in there and knock those races out. so good good job, Honda, for doing that. <laughs>
0: it's a great bike. I don't know if they do that anymore, but there was some bike that you brought up in the last podcast or maybe it was a podcast before that where it was less assembly bike than we had been used to complaining about. I don't remember what model it was, but it, everything was component-based. I kind of like that about this
3: bike because everything's easy to get to. Yeah. That is nice. That's a, t- a maintenance task that I've not tackled before.
0: It's not a big deal until you until uh, one of two things happens. One, you don't have any way of supporting all of the junk that's coming off of the front end. Or B, uh, you start actually trying to knock the races off of the steering head tube. That was, that took a little bit of thwack and we ended up filing down some some, uh, jarred metal that was just, it was victim to the circumstance. But uh, anyhow. So this month's read through comes from a recent article by my wife, Margaret Dean, regular writer for the site. The topic, motorcycle sharing, rent a bike near you. I'm excited about my new flagship motorcycle, a BMW R1200RS for 2018's riding season. I'm also pre-mourning the eventual goodbye to a long time love, my Suzuki Bandit 1200. Celebrating the Beamer feels like a betrayal to the ready to rent Bandit, which has taken me 55,000 miles through 23 states over five years. She's been maintained, upgraded, repaired, updated, enhanced, in a word, loved. I don't want to sell her, but as many riders understand, multiple bikes result in more maintenance and less time. Whether the motorcycle runs or is a project, you can only ride one at a time, and no matter how much you treasure each bike, you tend to ride one more than the others. With a heavy heart, I wrote an ad listing the bandit for sale. A week later, a different kind of ad, crafty little opportunistic little ad, thanks to a spying son of an algorithm, gave me an idea. Why not rent the bandit out to others? make a buck while she's waiting for a new owner. Put her right next to the Driftless in Wisconsin? Yeah, maybe she'll even be worth more to keep and rent out than sell her, right? Rent a motorcycle? Say what? My wife raised her eyebrows when I mentioned it to her. The sharing economy has come to motorcycling. TwistedRoad.com and Riders-Share.com, have both been called the Uber for motorcycles. Uber has owners of cars driving passengers around like a taxi used to in the old days. With TR and RS, you're not being taxied around on the back of a motorcycle. I'd compare Twisted Road and Ridershare Share more to Get Around or Turo, where car owners let others rent their cars. All peer-to-peer sharing services operate under the concept of connecting owners with underutilized assets to responsible renters. Each service's platform connects both sides for a fee. Motorcycle rental already exists, but not in the sharing economy. Twisted Road and Riders Share are the first to test sharing in our special market. Twisted Road started from the founders being near Great Roads without a motorcycle too many times. The Riders Share epiphany came when its founder was in between bikes and noticed his neighbor's unridden bike. The idea of renting someone else's motorcycle sounds great. The idea of renting out your motorcycle to someone else sounds less great. How do you comfortably let someone you've never met ride your motorcycle? We'll get into that. Here's how it works for owners. If you choose to list a bike, both services state, the motorcycle should be properly maintained and in good running condition. Think, this is a motorcycle you'd put your mother on. The motorcycle needs to be registered within the US, have a clean title, and meet insurance requirements. Riders Share accepts all types of two-wheelers, including scooters. They state they strongly, quote, prefer cruiser motorcycles because they are statistically safer. As this site focuses on sport touring riders, talk amongst yourselves on that one. Twisted Roads doesn't allow scooters, dirt bikes, or trikes. They also recommend model year 2000 or newer and less than 50,000 miles logged. They do accept vintage bikes older than 1990 with market value up to $10,000. Refer to their site for the full specs. Both use the same basic process. List a motorcycle and choose the rate you want to charge. Review rental requests, then accept or decline. Coordinate to meet the renter with your bike. Renter returns the bike, you get paid. Each site does a good job of answering common questions for both owners and renters. What are the renter's requirements? Who verifies or checks the driver's license information? What are the rider's experience requirements? How does gas and insurance work? What happens if there's an accident? There's more in their frequently asked questions sections for both services. The benefits as an owner, the obvious and compelling reason to consider renting your motorcycle is to earn money. Whether the income goes towards justifying the overall use rate of your bikes, pays off the motorcycle, or gets you closer to buying more bikes, the money you receive is a treat, like candy. Or beer. Those of us not living in California or Florida usually ride during the quote, warm months, otherwise called the riding season. Some commute to work daily, but many of us ride when not working. This results in days or months of unused motorcycle time. If you own more than one bike, multiply that. Motorcycles want to be ridden. If you have more than one, you can't ride all of them all the time. Because you're a benevolent owner, this is a way to help others in the flock get ridden. This is also a way to give back. This helps other riders in the community explore great roads near you and show them off. You get to network and meet other riders you might not otherwise. Assuming each site's precautions are followed, liability is placed on the renter, not you. Whew. How it works for renters. The basic process is the same for renters. Search for a motorcycle. Request rental. Coordinate to meet the owner for pickup. Enjoy the ride safely and return the bike. The owner may provide or even rent riding gear, but as the rider, don't count on it. You should be prepared to have your own and comply with the state's helmet law requirements. This can mean bringing an extra suitcase or bag of ATGAT all the gear all the time. Golfers, skiers, and snowboarders do it all the time. It's not that serious if you're serious about your experience and safety. You must provide details such as your driver's license, riding history, and insurance information for twisted roads. Be prepared to have your stats run, MVR and background checks, as well as your identity verified. Riders can ride solo or with a passenger. Riders can't rent bikes for other riders or let anyone else control the motorcycle during the rental. You can rent a motorcycle for a day or multiple days. As the renter, if something goes wonky, Either yours or riders' shares, motorcycle insurance takes care of it. For the owner and renter pre-ride handshake, the owner's responsibility is to provide a motorcycle that's in good mechanical working condition. You as the renter will do a motorcycle check with the owner at the time you meet for motorcycle pickup. If anything seems awry, don't go through with the rental. Otherwise, once you accept and ride off, the responsibility baton stays with you. That sounds more ominous than it really is. If you were renting a car or motorcycle from a traditional service, you'd bear this responsibility. Twisted Roads requires you to have your own motorcycle insurance. The prerequisite of having this insurance is owning a motorcycle to insure. If you have your own insurance, you have the option of using your own instead of Rider's Shares policy. If you don't own a motorcycle, then you don't have the insurance, which means Rider's Share is the better and only option of service to use. Their insurance will cover your liability and yes, they charge for it. If you have the insurance, I'd call them and talk to a licensed agent to double check that your policy will extend to a rental. We did, details on that later. This may seem obvious, but make sure you're clear on the bike's details and the ergonomics won't be a problem for you. The owner may have modified the motorcycle so that the height isn't stock. Remember, you're renting a specific motorcycle from an owner and not a rental company, if for any reason it is uncomfortable. You can't just pick another motorcycle and the owner is not required to adjust anything for you benefits as a rider you'll use less vacation days and energy renting a motorcycle locally than riding from home base to great riding roads this is also more cost effective than shipping your bike if you've got a business trip near great roads you could extend the business trip a day or two rent a motorcycle locally then return it and fly back home no pre-planning an epic road trip required It's an opportunity to try out and ride a different motorcycle at a reasonable rate. A quick view of both sides shows a variety of bikes available. What if your motorcycle is down, but there's an upcoming touring trip or ride you really want to make? Twisted Roads or Rider's Share to the rescue. If you don't have a motorcycle or are in between bikes and you've got three years experience riding, you can rent from Rider's Share. Are you a rider visiting the U.S. from another country? Good news, because each site addresses what you need instead of a valid U.S. driver's license. Twisted Road's site offers a detailed list of acceptable licenses from certain countries. Rider's Share requires a valid motorcycle license or equivalent, and passport. If in doubt, you should contact Twisted Road's ride or Rider Share directly about your license eligibility. Now let's get into what no one wants to think or talk about. When things go wrong in the sharing economy, who's liable? Both Airbnb and Uber have been in the news because of things gone wrong, and both companies claim they're not responsible. Airbnb states they're not a hospitality company, but a tech company. If Airbnb was considered a hotel company, owners renting their spaces would be innkeepers. Innkeepers have a duty to guests to treat you in a considerate manner, furnish safe lodging, and keep you safe from others. Why wouldn't Airbnb and Uber step up and quote, do the right thing when things go wrong? There are no legal precedents yet. They don't want to indirectly, automatically assume responsibility or liability as this could open up the floodgates in a litigious country. If something bad happens while a renter is on our rented bike, are people coming after us? What protections, if any, are in place? We had these questions when considering Twisted Roads and rider Share. Resident author Margaret Dean works in the financial industry, and she sees what happens when doo-doo hits the fan. People go for blood. Usually that means getting an attorney and going for other people's money. People know you're better off suing a company than a private citizen or finding out who has more in insurance assets to sue. Both sites answer questions about how they respond if a renter damages an owner's bike. It makes sense as that's a main concern for owners. As far as motorcycle sharing, service problems, and response tactics are concerned, we wanted to know how each company responds if a worst-case scenario happens or a rider causes an accident that isn't minor. RiderShare is open about having a corporate policy that covers a rider. They charge the renter for it as a part of the rental expense. If you have your own motorcycle insurance, you can submit evidence of this and waive their insurance just like with car rentals. Twisted Roads is open about requiring the rider to have their own insurance in order to use their platform. The rider's insurance is the first responder if there's an accident. Early reviews of RiderShare mentioned their liability policy providing 1 million in insurance protection. Their current certificate insurance reflects 300000 This is a bit confusing and may warrant asking ridershare to clarify if it bothers you. If a rider was at fault for an accident with two or more people getting hurt, 300000 might not stretch far depending on your legal jurisdiction. There's less protection in the same hypothetical scenario with twisted roads. The limits will likely be what the state requires of drivers. Not many people buy more than the minimum limits required by their state. We live in Illinois where the limits are 25 over 50 over 25,000. This means 25k injury or death of one person in an accident, 50,000 injury or death of more than one person in an accident, and another 25k damage to property of another person. Twisted Roads corporate $1 million liability possibly would kick in if the writer's insurance limit gets exhausted, but is still something to think about. But be gone, ye owner renter negatives. It may not be all doom and gloom. In 2005, the Graves Amendment was enacted to give car rental companies relief from assuming vicarious liability, meaning car rental companies weren't automatically stuck assuming all responsibility for actions of renters. Graves defines the owner being in the business of renting or leasing vehicles. Motorcycles are considered vehicles, but as to whether an owner renting a motorcycle to others through a sharing service would qualify as in the business of renting or leasing is unknown. On their How It Works page under What is Motorcycle Sharing, RiderShare says, So by sharing, we really mean you can now start your own motorcycle rentals business. Does renting one motorcycle qualify you under the Graves definition or would it be incidental income and not apply? These are worthy questions your accountant and or attorney can address for you in your situation and state. What about my motorcycle insurance as a rider? Does it respond if I'm on someone else's bike? Is my insurance still good enough for my motorcycle if I rent it out to someone else? I called our insurance company and talked to a licensed agent. I recommend you do this if you're considering rider Share or Twisted Roads as an owner and or renter. The agent answered all of our questions with confidence. If we rent out our bike, we do not have to convert our personal auto policy to a commercial policy. The renter's insurance would be primary and respond first in an accident. We would not be responsible as the owner of the bike. Now, just a disclaimer, we're not attorneys or licensed insurance agents. This is what our agent told us specific to our policy and us. Consult your own professionals for peace of mind. As for our take on motorcycle sharing and rental, do the pluses outweigh the minuses? Riders Share and Twisted Road connect owners with idle bikes to renters with time, money, and desire to respectfully borrow well-maintained and properly running motorcycles. Each platform approaches the owners and renters side of the house in a similar way. Where they mainly differ is how each treats insurance and what vehicles owners can offer to rent. Ridershare Share takes the insurance burden off of the renter by providing their corporate policies coverage. Twisted Roads relies on the renter's motorcycle insurance to respond first in an accident. Ridershare allows motorcycles, scooters, dirt bikes, even trikes, with a preference toward cruisers. Twisted Roads eligibility limits stock to street motorcycles outlining age and mileage. Owners can turn a motorcycle into an income-producing asset. Surveying the average rental rate per day, if you rented a motorcycle out three days a month, you could earn 304 dollars a month. That's gear, a motorcycle payment, a weekend ride, savings for that MV Augusta or Modus. Speaking of, as a renter, there's a listing for an MV Augusta on Twisted Rose that I'd rent in a heartbeat. I've never been near one as we don't have any friends who own one. I'm not gonna go to all the trouble of finding a company who rents them for the day, but If we knew we were going to be in the area of where this beautiful motorcycle happens to be, why would I consider it after I brought up insurance and worst-case scenario issues? I assume risk as a rider on my own bike every time I leave the driveway. My wife's signature concludes a 10-page waiver whenever she goes on her annual skydive, which outlines all the dangers, potential death risks she takes when jumping out of an airplane. We risk our lives every time we get into a car, on a commuter train, or on board a commercial airline. It comes down to you deciding the risk versus reward question. Ridershare has been around since 2016. However, both are fairly new in the peer-sharing network. We think this service is a benefit to owners, and renters and motorcycle selection will get better as they grow. Note to Twisted Roads and Rider's Share. The International Motorcycle Show just left Chicago and would have presented another way to market your platforms. We are leaning towards trying the concept out. Stay tuned for a future update to this very article. Now to our listeners, would you consider renting out your motorcycle? This is a new concept to the riding industry. What auxiliary bikes would you offer or rent yourself? What ideas do you have for this service? Your input is invited. Visit the RidingObsession.com and scroll down to the bottom right and you'll see how you can post an article. thank you for listening uh that was uh that article was originally by margaret dean i rephrased it so that it was in first person male form and you can find it on the site right now under our uh most recent under the blog roll in articles and now we're gonna move on to this month in motorcycle history a poorly organized segment by yours truly <laughs> corrected by this, the one and only this
2: month in motorcycle history travis burleson go get it boys <laughs> Now, so quick recap this month in motorcycle history. March 6th, 1993 was the first Big Daddy Rats Hole custom motorcycle show, which I think is celebrating its 30th anniversary. Yeah, that'd be 30th, 35th anniversary, something like that. This year, I think, in um, Sturgis. But uh, the first one took place in 1993, Daytona. It started at 8 a.m., ran till dusk at Daytona's Ocean Center. Uh, March 16th, Eric Estrada's birthday. Eric Estrada... So if you're uh, born 1949, he's turned 68 this year, if you're a fan of the television show Chips, or uh, mm-hmm. you've seen the Dax Shepard reboot this last year with uh, Michael Pena and Dax Shepard. Dax Shepard starred and directed in it. but It, it is uh, funny. Was a, a fun motorcycle romp as the show was, a little cheesy. I mean, it was, you know, the 70s. A lot cheesy. So, I'm uh, a
0: fan of Dax Shepard. I, yeah. I forgot
2: to actually, you know...
3: Oh, it's good silliness. <laughs> yeah. You you will get a giggle a out of it. It's gonna be yeah, fun. It's,
2: it's it's you know it is what it is. But uh, I, a uh, iconic motorcycle uh, image in the uh, American consciousness. Um, it's like you got James Dean. That's the theme song. You do know
0: that's the theme song, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, I know. Sure. Okay, so you're just,
0: looking at me weird, man. So yeah, you well, I'm, like I'm, I'm
2: trying to remember. You got James Dean, right? You got Road Without a Cause. You got. Mm. Marlon Mar- Brando. Marlon Brando. Yep. You have Easy Rider, and you got Chip, right? Like you're talking about like historic things in media in America. Quick access motorcycle candy. Yeah, or just, those are the mm, first. Those just, are the first like, I uh, think. Someone who doesn't know anything oh. about motorcycles, they're like that. It, they'll know. They'll know those things. Like it's like those guys, evil Knievel. Yeah, and
3: that's it, right? Oh, so. what about the first Mad Max? And the Kawasaki Motorcycle game Gangs.
2: Uh, that's a deep cut. The
3: first, have you watched the
2: first Mad Max? That thing's like a freaking snuff film. It's I've watched
3: it through, yeah. yeah it's an art <laughs> film. That's an
2: art film. So, I love that movie. Yeah, it's, oh. I mean, it's, it's good. And, you know, it's, uh, the other uh, ones are definitely Mel more Gibson only
3: went downhill from there. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, Gallipoli <laughs> was good. I like Gallipoli. That's a war film, though. Um, I never saw
3: that. Yeah.
2: Uh, anyway, March 25th. Herbert James Burt Monroe's birthday. So I you know Burt Monroe is born in 1899. He would be 119. <laughs> so um, back one year prior to 19 double uh, but he'd be 119 this year if I did my math right, or maybe 120. I don't know. Uh, but he's known to most as the subject of the world's fastest Indian. Uh, the the movie that uh, documented or told the story of his setting a New Zealand motorcycle speed record for a standing start open class quarter mile with a time of 12 min, uh 12 seconds. 12.31 seconds. 12.31 seconds at 138 miles an hour aboard his 1936 600 cc Velocet MS. So, I mean, this too, this happened in the sixties and he was on a 40 year old motorcycle and set the record. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, my, then the last moment in motorcycle history, March 31st, 1973. The queen of motorcycle jumpers, Debbie Lawler, jumped her Suzuki 76 feet over a line of parked cars at beeline dragway in Phoenix, Arizona. So a feat to behold a solid 15 years before was, no. A solid decade before I was born. That's so. some serious hotness,
0: which brings us wow. to some serious. this brings us to even more interesting is updated site features and developments. Let's talk about Internets, people. Mm. Okay, everybody, hold on to your seats here. Let me get you through this. For all of our members, the self-caching cron job is now working properly for faster page delivery from our server. The maintenance area was offline for a short while due to a non-secure link logging users out over and over again. That's working. Made one minor alteration to our suggestion uh, that... Oh, yeah. Made one minor alteration to our suggestion that group tour riders keep watch over the people behind them. The key words are in straights and at stops. These details are important. <laughs> now onto our listener questions. We have none. There aren't any listener questions this episode. If you'd like to ask us a question or challenge us to research the answer slash solution, email your questions and concerns via our contact form which is located at tro.email that's tro.email or or by calling 224-358-3010 that's 224-358-3010 we look forward to fielding your inquiry
2: but if you're going to ask how much wood can a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck can chuck wood i'll tell you right now it's as much wood as a woodchuck could chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood so don't bother us with that one again.
0: Onto this week's mess, AlamoDo. Brought to you by the
2: super slick, ultra badass motorcycle megapods. You have incredible power.
0: Power. Power. Power.
2: Power. Power.
0: Power. 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 <laughs> power. The Super Slick Ultra Badass Motorcycle Mega Pussy of Incredible Power is super slick. It's ultra badass too, and it, as a sidebar, it's also incredibly powerful. Okay, so the first one on the list for me was the Indoor ground Racing. That would be the ultimate winter solution. If you oh, get I'm, the ventilation I'm going.
2: The, the, like, bi-level go-kart track? Yeah, oh it's an indoor God, go-kart track. Amazing. like an electric.
0: I love it. And we do know people that are tall enough that their knees would block any passing. <laughs> Yep, it's you know the both of you guys.
2: Yeah, and did you see at the the Mama Tried show? Uh, so they had the indoor uh, circle track racing, um, and there was a moped class. <laughs> One of the guys on the moped forum posted the video, but it didn't have any sound. And people were like, "Hey man, there's no sound." He's like, "Yeah, there's no sound. Just put 600 angry bees in a box and shake it." And that's
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> lovely. Uh, Cruisers, people, listeners, this is a sport touring website. We do cater the motorcycle community, but essentially cruiser people don't typically come to our corner of the web. Any kind of cruiser lacks the suspension to land. A 10-foot jump in your neighborhood, especially <laughs> if you overshoot the landing ramp.
2: Yeah, you're not evil Knievel. Someone was trying to be evil Knievel and overshot the landing ramp by like mm, 10 feet. And
0: yeah, that flat, looked Flat rough. bottom
2: from 10 feet up and then Just, immediately got thrown off the bike. Yep, that looked like it hurt quite a bit. Oh, yeah. You'd probably tacoed the rims. Keanu
0: Reeves on the Graham Norton Show. If you haven't seen it, look it up. Keanu talking about his accident. Where he uh, shattered a tooth and shaved his the front of his shin down to the bone, and then one of the people that was standing by asked if he they could get an autograph. She asked if she could get an autograph.
2: Yeah, it was pretty funny. When there was a, some something funny about him riding a Robin Norton between his oh, legs or something Graham like Oh, because Graham
0: Norton, yeah, yeah, a missionary or it was a Norton Commando.
2: Mm, yeah, mm. riding a naked. Yeah, riding a Norton Commando.
0: (laughs) It is a naked bike. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this one I actually kind of take seriously. This this Wolfpack app. Wolfpack. Yeah. (laughs) uh, It's for Android and iPhone. Uh, It's an app that is supposed to help you organize and coordinate group rides safely and uh, effectively. Apparently it has a a sort of a pull over to the side of the road social aspect where if you get lost or if you deviate from the group you can let everybody know or something like that but i i really am looking forward to checking this out i think this will be the next thing that i review on the digital realm for the website
2: yeah i saw that i haven't yeah next time we're in a group ride we can try it i don't know
0: (laughs) yeah we can well all three of us will go on a ride on a route we all know and we'll experiment with it just to goof off and see if we like it
2: well that's our episode for this round tune in next time for more discussion all things specific to sport touring motorcycling or universal motorcycling as a whole whether ridingobsession.com I'm Travis Burleson. I'm Tim Clark. And I'm Robin Dean. Safe travels, everyone.